Thank you, guys. You can grab a seat. It's uh, such a privilege to lead a church, you know, full of people like you, you know. We're going to do some amazing things uh, in Jesus' name in our town. And God's growing us and doing something on the inside of each individual in this room. And um, the crowd's gathering and the vision's growing and people are coming and saying, I'm with you. And uh, it's just so, so exciting. And, uh, you know, I, I pride myself in bringing different messages to the church. I work hard on that side of my ministry, and I hope it blesses you. And I've got a very different message for you today. And it's, it's come out of some things that I've, have blessed me. Uh, who can remember Io's message when he said he was prepared to be vulnerable? And he talked about the first year of their marriage, and it was difficult, and he kind of just got on with it, and we didn't even know. And it's only in that vulnerability that you admit, you know, I need some help that things change. Yeah, I went to um, Equippers Church 5 p.m. service last Sunday, and they're doing this thing called Five at Five. So at their 5 p.m. services, the first five messages are going to be what they're calling life stories, uh, things that have really impacted people and um, Peter Prother is the senior pastor there and my mentor gave his life message um, and he called it the God of more than enough and you know he wept on stage when he told his story and when the key guy of a church of a thousand people says you know this moved me the room was like it moves people uh, you go and look on their website Equippers Church Surrey find the message the God of more than enough it will bless you I promise you if you can take half an hour of your time to listen to that and I thought to myself well I've got lots of stories. I hope you've got lots of stories. And I want to share one of my stories today, which I believe is going to help some people here, maybe even create an opportunity for some ministry for some people here. Uh, but I'm prepared to be vulnerable. And I hope each of you will think so can I. I've called this message, if you like, a title, Face It. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to face it. It's just this whole idea that who knows that Jesus works in the light? You know, you can go through some stuff, but if no one ever knows it's in the dark, and if Jesus works in the light, who's working in the dark? And so therefore, you're trying to handle your stuff, keeping yourself in a place where the devil works best. But when you get your stuff out in the light, that's where Jesus works best, and healing comes. And so often we're so like, oh, I'm all right. And I know it's even in our British culture, the stiff upper lip, I will get through this. But that isn't Jesus' culture. That's British culture, and sometimes that can be helpful, but it's not Jesus' culture. So I want to be leading a church not full of namby-pambies. You know, sometimes you do need to toughen up and get on with it. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes there's, oh, I sneezed, oh, I'm falling apart. Oh, come on! I don't want that. None of us want that. Sometimes God takes you through situations and he's doing something on the inside of you and it's healthy and helpful and you need to go through it. But sometimes it's not that. And sometimes it's a situation which is way beyond your pay grade in life and you just go, I need some help. It's then we need to say, I, I am prepared to be vulnerable. And I think God uses that way. Can I just bring a, a bit of a caveat here? There is this weird notion in church that says God will, won't ever give you more than you can handle. Give me a wave if you've ever heard someone say that. God won't give you more than you can handle. Do you know you will not find that in your Bible? It's not there. 
I double checked and treble checked this week before I say it on a platform. It is not in the Bible. It is a weird thing that's got into church life and Christianity and, and our language where we say God won't give you what you can handle. Well, how about when your son or daughter gets hit by a bus and dies? Is that more than I can handle? What about when you get the cancer report and it's terminal? Is that more than I can handle? What is it that more than we can handle then? Because I know we can't handle those things. We weren't ever made to handle those things, and it's not there. This is what's happened. There is a, there is a verse in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 that says this. God won't allow you to be tempted more than, more than you can bear. And if you are tempted, he will give you a way out. It is talking about the opportunity to sin. It is not talking about things that happen in your world you're supposed to handle. They're too, can you see the difference? But it's somewhere along the journey we've turned this idea that God won't allow you to be tempted more than you can handle into God won't give you more than you can handle in life in general. And it's not the same thing at all. Can you see the slight difference? So sometimes, because we live in a fallen world, and every man and woman on the planet has free will. Because we're in this world, you get touched and scraped and bumped by the world. God does not send things your way that are bad, ever. We have just been singing, he is a good God. He literally could not do that. It goes against his very personhood. But because we're in the world, things happen. But what he does say is, when we get it in the light, I plant you in a family. And when you can't handle it, you need people around you who can handle it with you. You know, I think we're in, that's why relationships are so important to every man and woman on the planet. We want to be loved and we want to give love. We want to be in a family. We want to have children. It's part of what God did in us. Why? Because when things are too much, we're in it together. That is why church is so important. Because maybe your family isn't the kind of, you know, you're not able to be open to them. But we need to be a church family that when it gets too much to bear, you've got someone standing with you. Come on, we'll get through this. This whole idea of, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I will always be with you. So God is saying, even in that, that there are going to be dip times. It's going to happen. We'll all go through it. The key is to keep walking. We don't live in the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, implying that there's a peak point. And at that peak point, he says, and I will create for you a table of life in front of your enemies. Those people who are trying to bring you down, you're going to have a feast of life and go, you might be the haters, but my God, but my God. Do you see that? Can you see what happens here? But it means doing it together. And so often, I think, circumstances, relationship breakdowns, sicknesses, job losses, things happen to us which are just difficult. And what happens then, I believe, for a lot of people, we go into protection mode. And we close in and we just try to get on with it. And on one level, I commend that attitude. On the other level, it will bind you up in life. See, we think by closing in and distancing ourselves from the situation, we're protecting ourselves. But actually what we're doing is we're binding ourselves to it. And what happens is you get on with life and so a new relationship comes into your world, a new job opportunity comes into your world, new things happen in all spheres of your life, but you react to the newness on the back of the hurt. It's still affecting you. It's still in there. You don't have freedom. You're bound. This happened to me and I'm, I've closed in and I'm distancing myself for it. And I'm trying to enter new exciting opportunities in my world, but I'm entering into them bound up. Can you see what happens? It's in you. It's still affecting you. You think you're protecting yourself, but you're not. 
You're actually binding yourself to it. But I know that my Jesus says he came to break the chains. But he does that in the light. And the trouble is we're keeping our vulnerability in the dark because we're handling our stuff, but we're not handling it. We're binding ourselves to it. Can you see the slight difference? And so I want to share with you a whole bunch of stuff from my life, which is vulnerable for me, that might help you one day be vulnerable to someone else. I was looking uh, randomly as I was looking at this, how lions hunt. Um, We all know, don't we, guys, that it's the female lion that does the killing, right? The male lion might look big and scary, but the female does all the work. And all the women get, yes, true in humanity too. (laughs) So what happens is the big old lion comes out with his big woolly mane and gives a great big... The gazelle or the deer or the warthog or whatever it is they're chasing run away. But the women are hidden. And so they run away from the roar and run straight into the women who do the killing. And they work together. The reality is, do you know that the lion isn't the fastest animal? It can run 60 kilometers per hour, but it's got a small heart and small lungs and can only do that for 200 meters. The gazelle can run 70 kilometers an hour and can run at distance. So the safest place for the gazelle would be to face it, to run at the roar, because the lion couldn't catch it. But because it doesn't face it and runs away from it, it runs into death. Can you see? And I just think there's a good analogy here somewhere. That the things we should be facing up to, we're running away from. And all we're doing is running into a place of darkness and death. Whereas if we faced up to it in the light, Jesus sets you free. And he does it in the context of a church family. And so I want you and encourage you not not to be namby-pambies. Not to fall over the slightest thing. And sometimes we need to be tough. But when it's more than you can bear. Come on guys, let's not pretend. Let's get real with each other. Let's share this life together. We all go through things because we're in the world. We're not to be of the world, but we are nevertheless in the world. So I wrestled with myself. What story could I give? And I could give many. And I want to talk to you about um, two relationships, uh, female, you know, boy-girl relationships. Uh, the previous relationship to I met Sarah. So I was 18 years old. And I had a plan. And I hope you've got a plan. And my plan, my life plan was this. I'll be married in my 24th year. We'd buy a house, we'd settle down, it'd be perfect. And I was, you know, praying, God, this is what's going to happen. You know when you tell God what's going to happen? God, this is, what, this is how it's going to be, because I've got the best plan. And I met this girl, um, Tabitha, her name was, eight, I was 18 years old. Um, and I went out with her for six and a half years. Um, we uh, got engaged to be married. And uh, we'd sent out all the invites We'd put a deposit on a house. It was all going. My plan was coming together. In my 24th year, I'll be married and a homeowner. It was going good. She was a a catwalk model. You know, I was a footballer. We were the posh and becks, small-time posh and becks of this world. It was, was, in my world, everything was good. And and then mum and dad, bless them, just sat me down before the wedding and just said, Two things to me, two words. No, three. I can't even count. (laughs) They just said, are you sure? That's all they said. How difficult must it be for mum and dad when they're looking at their son grow and be happy, but deep down they've got a check. Oh, what do you say? Just let it happen? Do you let it unfold? What do you do? And I, I so appreciate their dilemma. And they sat me down. They just said, are you sure? And the reality is, deep in my deep of deepnesses, I'd squashed it down and I wasn't sure. 
but it was my plan. And she was a pretty girl, and I quite liked the attention that drew, and all the rest of it. You know, she she um, had her face on on billboards, and I used to play this game where I used to go and get a stand underneath the billboard, and people would walk along and go, and I go, yeah, she's with me. <laughs> but was it that that I was attracted to, or was it something deeper than that that you can build a marriage and a lifetime together on? And the reality is I knew deep down here somewhere, and so bless mum and dad, they been asked the question, are you sure? And I wasn't sure, and so we separated. There was no one else involved. It wasn't that kind of separation. It was just in, in myself I knew, and we had a separation and decided that we weren't right together. But despite the fact that's how it panned out, I was hurting. Because now for all my adult life, 18 to 24, I was now not in a relationship. I was now starting again. It was embarrassing because we'd sent all the invites out. We'd bought a house together. It was complicated. Her mum was the mother of all dragons and came and wanted what's right and all the finances and made it very difficult in all of it and visited our home and it was just like, oh, for crying out loud. Uh, and it was a difficult, difficult time. My response to the hurt, my response to the shock, my response to this isn't the plan I had, what on earth, God, we've had those moments, well, you pick a fight with God because you chose something he didn't even say. God, what on earth? <laughs> my response to that was to move away from Colchester and my home and move to Chelmsford where all my mates were. And uh, I, I was a football player. Uh, I was earning very good money. I had a good bunch of mates. We developed this lad's pad. And long story short, we parted for two years. Hard. And I didn't have any trouble whatsoever attracting female attention because I got a lot of talk. And I had some money, and I was a footballer. People loved it. I didn't have any trouble. But this was the issue. I was trying to fill this void in my life that Tabitha had left, and I was trying to fill it with all these different things, but I was never filling it. And so in the midst of living this party boy lifestyle that a lot of people would think, oh, that's amazing, it wasn't amazing because I was still hurting. I was trying to fulfill this gap with something that was never going to fulfill this gap, and all the while just hurting and trying to deal with it and not facing it. And it looked good on the outside, but I wasn't healing at all. And it went on for two years, and it was difficult. Two years later, my mum gets in touch with me, and she says, Barry, I'm coming down, I'm taking you out for a meal, and I'll never forget it. You ever, do, do, you, know, do you know, you need to have a conversation, you know it's the most important conversation you need to have, but you don't want to have the conversation. Do you know those ones? You avoid the conversation, even though you know it's going to be helpful. And so she comes down, and we go out, and we sit and talk. And uh, this, in terms of Christendom, this, in terms of church life, is what happens here. And it's here in Matthew 5. And it's verses 14 through 16. And it says this. You, church, you are the light of the world. A city is set on a hill and cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, you're the light of the world, Jesus speaking. So when someone's in a dark place and you come and put some input, you're shining a light into the dark place. And when light and darkness have a fight, what wins? Every time, what wins? Dark cannot, literally cannot defeat 
light. We could turn every light off in this room at midnight and put a candle on this big and everywhere would have some light. It always wins. And so what mum was doing in my dark place, and I'm sure she wrestled with it, it was a two years, it didn't happen over two years I lived that lifestyle, got myself in all kinds of pickles. But my mum came and said, we need to have this conversation. And she was so right. So, guys, if you love someone and you know you need to have a conversation, go and have that conversation. Because what you're doing, providing it's in love, is you're shining a light on someone who's in a dark place. And the dark cannot win. Who knows? I needed that conversation. And we just chatted. And mum didn't, wasn't unkind to me. She just said, how are you doing? And it doesn't take very long when you're in a dark place to open up to someone who loves you. In a very short time later, I moved back home from Chelmsford to Colchester to be back in my family home. Now I'm 25, nearly 26 years old, back at home with mum and dad, not married, not owning a home. My plan was long gone. But you know what? I was now facing it. And at that point, I was starting to step into who God wanted me to be. I'd run from it. I'd hidden it. And all I was doing was running into a horrible place of death. But when the light shines on it, suddenly there's hope again. And it was painful. So I, I went home and we had the whole family come round and we faced it together. You know, don't, I didn't fall apart. On the outside, no one would have known. I was out there living it up. I was strong. I was, you know, had all the talk. I was playing football. I was playing in front of big crowds. My life looked good. I wasn't a gibbering wreck. There's lots of ways to fall apart, you know. Sometimes we look at the guys who are always crying and you think, oh, come on. But you know what? There are people who are looking strong and happy and actually inside something else is happening. Yeah. It's coming into the mainstream much more now, isn't it? All the mental issues people are having, they're fighting in life and you don't even know it, but it's there. Come on, church, we need to be good at this stuff. Yeah. But if we could learn to be vulnerable, if we could learn to say, do you know what? I'm, I'm not being weak here, but I am struggling with something. I wonder how much more freedom will come to your life and to the church. So we got this thing we do in our house, or we have done in the past, that we call the hot seat. <laughs> Has anyone ever done a hot seat? Hot seats are a really good but really scary place. And person, said person who you're praying for or is opening up sits on the seat in the middle and everyone gets around them. Now, I don't, most of you will probably know my family, but, you know, dad and mum, they're generals. You know that in Christian life, generals. Daniel, Sarah, in Christian life, Generals. My other brother Michael goes to St. John Chester. I am sitting in the hot, hottest of hot seats. <laughs> there, you know, there was so much light in that room. I was like, oh! And it was an amazing, amazing time. I say an amazing time, it was really a snot fest. <laughs> um, I, I just opened up and just said, look, this and that and the other things happened and I've done this and I'm not proud of it and I'm beating myself up and... You know, in all of this, I love, love Jesus, but I know I've done things I should never have done. It's been going on for two years and I've fought it and just difficult conversations. And they just prayed for me and prayed for me. And, you know, I think, that, you know, I don't know where you stand with deliverance and stuff, but there was some stuff that got a hold of me and there was rejection and pain and hurt and lust and all this stuff going on. But after the snot fest, freedom came and it was difficult, but it was also amazing to see a bunch of people so gifted, so full of love, that not once did they judge me. Not once did they look at me and go, I can't believe you did that, Barry. Not once. It was all love, and it brought freedom. 
And there's another thing that happened at that point which will stay with me for the rest of my life. And I had a dance with my dad. I get a bit emotional now. There's an old boy's own song, and I'm going to play you one minute of it in a moment. And at the end of all this prayer, and at the end of all my pain, I knew something had come off me. And do you know what? I just wanted to hug my dad, who'd loved me all along, who was brave enough to say, are you sure? And we just hugged for, oh, I don't know how long the song is, three and a half minutes. Kind of a bit weird, I suppose, dancing with your dad for a slowie. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit concerned at one point when he pinched me bum. <laughs> but, um, so I'm ruining the moment, aren't I? Totally ruining the moment. So at least it means I'm stopped crying. But we hugged, and it was really special. And um, I just want to play just a minute of the song. Some of you may be familiar with it, some of you may not. But um, couldn't you, are we able to play the song, guys? Are we, is that ready to rock and roll? Yeah, just, just one minute of this song. You get the gist of it. It was a really powerful moment. Father and son. Dad saying, it's okay. Dad saying, this is going to heal. It was just a real special time. And it's just interesting to me what's going on in our church life, that I believe God is bringing mothers and fathers to the church. You know, so Trevor, you know, you're going to be a father in this church. And I, know Al, I don't think Alfred and, his, and Diana are here today, but mothers and fathers in the church. Lovely lady just came up to me and said, I'm going to be coming here more often. We need mothers in the church. Do you know why? Because there is a hurting generation that's got no one to turn to. And if we could create an environment that could say, do you know what? I'm not being weak here. I'm not being a namby-pamby. This is too much for me to bear. Would you go through it with me? And when you shine a light on it, Jesus does his work. And it's still truth today. Luke 4, 18 Jesus said, this is what he came to do. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That was Jesus' mandate. It's now our mandate. Because Jesus said, will you finish what I started? Go into all the world and make disciples and set them free. So how about a great starting point is the church itself. Could we be open enough and vulnerable enough and brave enough to go to someone and say, will you help and set each other free? Because freed people free people. If we had a free church, what would Colchester look like? What would the nation look like? But it means just being able to face it. Whatever your situation, I know you'll have a situation. And if you're not in one right now, you might be in one one day. But if we've got this as a back, backdrop to say, you know what, I'm not going to run from it, where it's going to bind to me and hold me and affect my thought processes, my conversation, the opportunities I want to have, it will affect you. But when you face it and you get it in the light, Jesus says, I came to bind up the brokenhearted and set at liberty the captives. It cannot have you. And that is why the hot seat in our family is powerful. Because it's not just kind words it's powerful to bring change and I knew in that instant things would change Jesus mandate is still the same
I encourage you again, be open. Get it in the light. So often what holds us is fear. You know, fear of change. Fear of letting go. Fear of something new. Fear of embarrassment. It's fear that keeps you there. What will they think of me? And yet, doesn't it say in 1 John, it says, perfect love drives out fear. So if we're in a place where we're engaging Jesus, who is perfect love, and we're replicating that, this should be a place of perfect love. And so therefore, fear doesn't belong in this room. And so if you're not telling your story because of fear, come on. Let's remind ourselves of who we really are. Let's drive that out and don't let fear be the thing that holds you in the past and stopping you get to your future. I think there needs to be a few snot fests. No one here will ever judge you. Ever. We've all done things, said things, thought things, had things happen to us. You're like, wow. But you know what? Together we can push through. Together we can bring freedom. Together this could be a place really full of life. If only we walk out together. You know, allowing fear to dictate and keep you away from facing it is like running into the female lions. You're running away from the thing you need to confront and you're running in to a worse position. And it's holding you there and it's affecting your whole life. And I know, I know, I know there's people in this room who this would just bless you if you'd nail it. It got me thinking about a whole bunch of biblical stories, and there's loads of them, but the one I felt to share was Esther's story. Many of you may know Esther's story, but she was selected to potentially be the king's wife. And uh, she went on a journey of a year of pampering and eventually catches the king's eye. But do you know in that time, even the queen could not approach the king unless he called for her. Good job, that's changed. Hey, girls. So husband and wife, she could not approach her husband unless he said so. That's the time they lived in. Now, Esther's uncle had heard that there was a plot to destroy the entire entire Jewish people. And yet there was his niece, Esther, positioned in the king's house. She had a voice. She had an opportunity. And he said to her, you need to go to the king. You need to go to the king and tell him because we've got to stop this. You are the one person who could save our nation. You have a voice. But she can't approach the king. She's not allowed to approach the king. But you know what she said? She says, I'm going to face it. She says, if I die, I die. But she could have run away from it. She could have stepped back in fear. She could have retreated and watched it happen and watched her people die. But she faced it. And the thing with the king is when you approach him, this is his symbol of recognizing you and accepting you. Is that he would lift his scepter out and point it to you and say, you're welcome here. And Esther approached the king and the scepter came out. I think I've got it here in Esther 5 verses 1 and 2. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house. While the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that he, uh, she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. That means she now has an opportunity to communicate. 
The point I'm trying to make here is that Esther could have withdrawn in fear, but she didn't. She faced up to it. And when she faced up to it, she found favor with the king. She saved the nation. I wonder how many of us, if we were willing to face up to our fears and get it only open, we'd find favor with the king and we could change a nation. Because we'd be free. I want to lead a bunch of people who are saying, I want to get my stuff sorted. I'm not pretending it's not there. And I've suddenly understood that God doesn't give me more than I can handle. That's, or, or, that could happen. I could get more than I can handle. I won't be tempted beyond what I can bear and I'll get a way out. But I could be given more than I can handle. But how God does that is he puts me in a family that says we'll walk this through together. He's growing us and maturing us on the inside. So that as you walk through certain situations which are difficult for you, you go through them with the family, but you grow on the inside. And when you walk through a similar situation, you can actually handle it. Why? Because you become more like Christ. And you've grown on the inside. So we're to mature and get stronger all the time. The same thing that pulled you down last year shouldn't be able to pull you down this year because you've grown. But there might be something bigger that could pull you down, but we do that together. Do you see? But if we're never going to be open, it will just keep pulling us down. And we don't face it I had to face it it took me two years to face it but I'm so glad I faced it because the day came when I bumped into Sarah which is awesome and we you know our eyes met across a dark room (laughs) (laughs) we connected instantly we fell in love very very quickly but on reflection, you know, I feel like I've got quite a good personality and I make you laugh and I dress okay and nice looking guy and all the rest of it. And she might have liked that. She tells me she did. <laughs> but what she really loved, what she fell in love with was what was going on the inside of me. You know, people, Sarah's family who are unchurched come look at our marriage and they say, we wish we had what you had. But the difference between our marriage and anyone else's is that Jesus is in the middle of it. That's the only difference. We're not amazing people, we're just ordinary people. But Jesus in the middle of it makes us amazing. It enables us to go beyond. And so when Sarah met me, she, was, she hopefully liked what she saw. You'll have to ask her. But she definitely liked what she saw on the inside. Now, what was going on the inside was the direct result of the snot fest. Do you see? Because I faced my stuff and allowed God to shine his light on it and dealt with it, and because uh, Luke 4.18 is still true today, he set me free of what was holding me, and now I could be the man he called me to be. And when I met who is now my wife, I was free of it. Had I not faced up to it, I'd have still been dealing with that stuff. I could have met Sarah, and I wouldn't have been the same person. Would I have been married? Possibly not. Would Josh be sat on the front row? Our son? Possibly not. Would we even be in this room? Possibly not. But because I faced it, great things are happening. And it's true of you today too. If you will face it, good things will happen. Because, theme of the service, we have a good father who is good all of the time. And he loves you. I just wonder how many amazing stories could come out of our church if we prepared to be vulnerable. If we were prepared to say, actually, I'm not okay. If we were prepared to say, something happened to me five years ago, and do you know what? It still affects me. If we were prepared to say, I'm facing a situation, I don't feel free enough to face it. And again, always put the caveat, I'm not trying to grow a church of weak people. 
Let's be strong. Let's handle our stuff. Let's grow. But let's also be honest enough when we can't handle it. And be willing to say, this is where I'm at. I need some light shined on this situation because I believe Jesus will set me free. Uh, free. And Jermaine, I wonder if you'd come and play for me. I just want to create a moment. Give God an opportunity. Give you an opportunity. Based on some of the things you've just heard. Um, I wonder if we could stand together. That might be the best way to do this. invites there to close your eyes I think it's best in these environments to do that but you you certainly don't have to Lord I just offer up my story to you to these people and pray you could use it pray that it bless someone it helps someone it might play its part in setting someone free but Lord as a group of people we just come before you right now and say thank you thank you thank you for planting me in this family we say thank you thank you thank you Jesus that you died for me in order that I could be free and that's my truth but Lord we want to acknowledge that we've got history we've been through some stuff we've had our difficult moments And we want to be free of them. We want to be people who can look to the future with excitement. Look to the future free of our past. We want you, Lord, and we give you permission, Father, to shine your light on our lives. And bring it all into the light. The place of healing and health. The place of hope. so many different areas to speak into and what I don't want to do is suggest areas and find that there were so many other areas I didn't touch I just wonder if again eyes are closed here is there anyone here today who's saying and I know there's lots is there anyone here today who's saying yeah I've been holding back some stuff and there's some stuff in my life I want dealt with and I need some light shone on it or can relate to some of the things I've said. Is that you today? Just give me a wave. Bless you, bless you. Bless you there. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you. Wow. Here's what I want to do. I want to, it's not what we always do, but I want to invite you to come forward because I want to get opportunity to have some people pray for you. So if you put your hand up and you're willing, just come out front. Just come out. There are several people. Just come out front. You won't be on your own. Who's going to be brave? Bless you, man. Bless you. Even if you didn't put your hand up. I know because I know people. There, are, there should be more people here. Come on. Let me, let me press. Today could be your day of freedom. Or it could be the day that you run into fear again. Come on. What's it going to be for you? Here's the day, the day you're going to say, Lord, shine your light on me. Help me deal with my stuff. Or is today the day you're going to retreat yet again? Come on, are we going to be strong people? 
Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, bless you. Thank you, Lord. Just a couple of, couple of you guys in the front row, if you could just pray for these guys. Lord. Father, I want to pray for everyone in this building. I know you've highlighted stuff. Just let your love unfold on your church. Wrap your healing arms around your people, Lord God. Set your people free from anything that's holding them. Let your blessings flow in life, Lord God. And Lord, would you equip us as the church to be people who could help other people free? Lord, in the workplace, in the social scene, down the gym, in the homes, on the school run, let us be people that carry words of light and life, of kindness and goodness, of hope and prosperity, Lord God. Use your church, I pray, use us, Lord God, to bring healing, to be ones that break chains, to begin to fulfill your lukewarm mandate, Lord God, to set the prisoners free. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord, Lord. I'm going to give one more chance. I just know there's more people. If you're standing there thinking, I should be going, I should be going, I should be going, just give us a wave. Even if you don't want to come out the front, don't miss your moment. I know there's more people. I know there is. Bless you for responding. Bless you for responding. This is a moment of bravery. This is where the strong stand tall and say, I need someone now. Come on, this isn't the time to stand back and shrink back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Dad. Is everyone okay if we just take one or two minutes? Just because this is important. Let's stay engaged. Be praying for these guys. Amazing stories could come out of this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, guys. We just pray for these guys. We declare freedom over your life in Jesus' name. Lord, what used to take a whole counselling session, Lord, we're going to believe it, it happens in a moment. Lord God, that freedom comes for life this morning. Lord, that hope comes to life this morning. The past cannot hold us back because you came to break chains in an instant, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord.